Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Oh, fantastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 32. Isaiah chapter 32. And before we get into the Word, uh, I want to just give you a couple of thoughts as we step into a brand new year. This is 22, a new you in 22. Come on, somebody. A new you in 22. I want to give you two things to consider in this process of transformation. How many of you know we may not be where we want to be, but thank God we're not where we used to be? Two things I want you to commit to in 22. Come on, hold up two fingers. Two, just two. All I'm asking is for two. I know some of you have a big list of goals and resolutions and man, we've set the bar high. I'm asking for two things, all right? Two things for a brand new you in 22. First of all, be in church on Sundays. Make a commitment to the house of God on Sundays. There are only 52 Sundays in a year. 52. There's 365 days. If you will make a commitment to be in the house of God, and if you can't be in church, you can join us online. We've worked so hard to create an online community that is able to to step into your world and allow you to be a part of our world, be in church. You know, since COVID, people have formed new habits. Have they not? And it's very easy to isolate and disconnect. It's easy to get lazy in the world of technology and this post-COVID reality. Can somebody help me? You know what? We don't hesitate to go to Walmart to get what we need. Mm. Oh, yeah. I run into y'all at Walmart. Yes, I do. Some of y'all think I don't see you, but I saw you when you dodged and went down the other aisle. Man, we can go to Home Depot. Man, we can go to ball games. Go to parties throughout the holidays. Ooh, some of you are like, Pastor, what kind of resolutions are you making for this new year? Look, there's no substitute for spiritual community. Uh, listen, the truth is you need what's in this house. But this house needs what's inside of you. Spiritual transformation is going to take place through community. The Bible says in Psalm 92, blessed are those who are planted in the house of the Lord, for they will flourish in the courts of our God. Notice there's a connection between planted and flourishing. How many of you want to flourish in 22? If you want to flourish, get planted in God's house. I'm going to be in church, and bless God, if I can't be in church, I'm going to watch it online. I'm going to dial in. Uh, I want to give you a heads up the next two Sundays, okay? Just to give you a, a runway of expectation. The next two Sundays, we're going to tweak our, our worship experience. Uh, I want to create room at the end of our time together so we can be interactive. I, I don't want you to spectate this year. I want you to participate. 
Transformation takes place not when you spectate, but when you participate. And so we're going to adjust our service schedule just a touch. We're going to start it at the same times, but our, our order of service is going to change to create some space on the back end of our time together. Next week, we're going to have crosses set up in the sanctuary. We're going to have communion tables set up all across the sanctuary and prayer partners up in the raised seating and on the main floor and up front. And so at the end of our time together, we're going to sing a couple of songs and we can worship. Uh, We can go get communion and bring it back to our seat and serve ourselves communion. Uh, We can find a prayer partner, unpack some things if you need prayer over a situation in your life. Or you're going to have different cards in front of you, things that you're thankful for, things that you're praying for. And you can fill that card out and you can bring it to the altar. Okay? So how many of you know if God's on the move, we got to get moving too? I believe God's doing something significant in the earth today. I believe that Jesus, through the local church, is the hope of the world. And I just feel like this year, we need to go after God. I am going after God. You know why? Because this may be the year that Jesus comes back. I believe that the world stage is already set for the preparation, the arrival of Jesus to come get his church. How many of you don't want to miss it? Be in church on Sundays, okay? That's the first commitment, okay? Commitment number one, say, I'm going to be in God's house. All right, commitment number two, two for 22, all right? Two things for 22. You need to be in this book right here, okay? One of the most dangerous things you can do this year is neglect God's word. Let me me say it this way. The most effective weapon that the enemy will use against you is your ignorance of God's word. Uh, The more we know God's word, the better prepared we're going to be. And so I want to invite all of you to join us in the one-year Bible journey. We have, at all of our campuses, we have the brand new one-year Bibles that are available. All it takes is 15 minutes a day. You can read a Psalm, a Proverb, an Old Testament, New Testament passage every single day. And if you do that, I believe transformation happens little by little. How many of you know that there are thousands of voices that are trying to convince you how to think. You don't think that commercial has an agenda? Come on now. How many know commercials are no longer about information, they're about manipulation? You don't think that movie has an agenda in trying to shape how you think and view the world? How many of you know that we gotta get in this book? Let me tell you this, less time on FaceTime and Facebook, more time with your face in this book, and it's going to prepare you for this year to fight the battles that are in front of you. Number one, say, I need to be in God's house. Number two, say, I need to be in God's word. Get in the book. My prayer for you is that God would put an appetite in you, a hunger in you for God's word. How many of you ate well during the holidays? How many of you ate really, really, really well? (laughs) Yeah. How many of you ate when you you weren't even hungry, but it was there, and so because it's there, well, what else am I going to do? I'm going to eat. 
Yes, indeed. I pray that God would put an appetite in his people for this book. Amen? Two things in 22. Commit to church and let's read God's word together this year. Amen? All right, look at Isaiah chapter 32. Isaiah chapter 32. Some of you, when you came in today, you received one of these bracelets, okay? I hope everybody gets a bracelet. There's a word on this bracelet that's really our word for the year. Some of you set goals. Others of you, you have words. This is a word that really God spoke to Rachel several months ago. We talked about it, prayed about it, felt like that this was the direction God wanted to move us forward in this year in 2022. I declare that this year is going to be a year of peace. Come on, somebody say peace. Oh, when you say peace, don't you just feel that in your soul? Oh, the peace of Jesus. I want to talk to you today about the power of peace, okay? The power of peace. Isaiah 32, starting with verse 15. Till the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high, And the desert becomes a fertile field, and the fertile field seems like a forest. The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness will live in the fertile field. And the fruit of that righteousness will be what? The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Oh, come on, don't you like those words, quietness? How many of you had some still moments uh, over the holidays and you're like, oh, the quiet just feels so good? Oh, something about having a quietness on the inside of you. You know, it's hard for God to speak to a spirit that's always busy. The fruit of peace is an inner quiet, and the Bible says a confidence forever. See, I believe that when God deposits peace in his people, it produces a quietness of the soul and a confidence of the spirit. Now, the key verse is verse 18. Here's the verse I want to really teach out of. He says this, my people, somebody say my people, will live. Can you say will live? My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, and in undisturbed places of rest. Can I have a good amen? Oh, that's so good. Now, let me give you some context here. The prophet Isaiah is speaking. This is kind of in a series uh, from chapters 30 to 32. It's kind of in a series of judgments against Judah. They weren't living right. They weren't acting right. They had wicked kings. And so there's a series of woes. Somebody say, woe. Woe unto you. There's six of them, okay? I don't know what woe means, but I don't want any part of it. And I pump the brakes when God says, woe, okay? Woe unto you. But then he's prophesying to the nation of Judah, one day the spirit of the Lord will rest upon you. Now, he's prophesying, some scholars believe he's speaking about uh, King Hezekiah and his leadership. Some believe it was King Josiah, his great-grandson. Others believe that all of this points to the Messiah, Jesus himself. When the Spirit of the Lord is poured out upon his people, the result will be peace. Now, notice again in verse 18, he says, my people will live in peaceful dwelling Places. I want to give you three simple thoughts out of this verse, this single verse, verse 18. God's people, God's promise, and God's peace. God's people, God's promise, and God's 
peace. Number one, God's people. He says, my people. What do we mean when we say, my people? Let me ask you this. Who are your people? Have you discovered who your people are? How many of you have learned over the last 24 months who your people are not? I think it's easier to identify who are not your people than to actually identify who your people really are. How many of you know we all need a tribe? Who's your tribe? Who are your people? When we say my people, what are we talking about? When God gives this promise, not just to Judah, but in future generations, when he says, I'll pour out my spirit and my people will live in peaceful dwelling places, what's he talking about? How many of you know there are certain layers of relationships? You'll see somebody, we all have acquaintances, don't we? Uh, sometimes we come to church and we see some familiar faces and we'll kind of, hey, what's up, what's up, girl? You know, don't really know their name, but kind of an acquaintance, a familiar face. You know, what up, man of God? How many know when you, when you don't know somebody's name, it's like, hey, man of God? <laughs> hey, girl, good to see you. Yeah, that's great. That's an acquaintance. But a step further is a friend. A friend is somebody you're going to watch the game with. A friend is somebody you're going to invite over to your house to come eat brisket with you. Come on. A friend is somebody that, 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 that's, that's a part of your life. You go from acquaintance to friends. But even friends have certain layers of depth. Then you have what's called your inner circle. These are people that you trust deeply. These are those that you're not just sharing facts with, but you're talking about your feelings. You'll share facts with friends, but you'll share feelings with your inner circle. Those are the people. Those are the people you trust. And then there's family. Family. Oh, Lord. Some of you need to detox from family. You know, we, over, the, over the holidays, uh, our family is growing. Maybe some of you saw, we uh, posted a couple weeks ago, my middle daughter, Michaela, got engaged. <laughs> Why are you all so happy about that? <laughs> yeah, someone like, Dad, are you okay? Pastor Mike, how, how did you handle that? Yeah, well, he's a great young man. He's actually the youth pastor at our St. Francisville campus. So he works for me. <laughs> Reese, he sent me a text. He said, Pastor Mike, uh, uh, can we have lunch next week? I need to talk to you about something. I knew what he was asking. I said, no. <laughs> no lunch. You want time with me? You can contact my assistant and she'll set up an appointment for us. He comes into the office the next week and he's nervous. And he's got his computers, talking about his budget and his finances. I'm like, I know what you make. I know. <laughs> I just got a question for you. Can, can I have your blessing in marrying your daughter? I said, well, I got a few questions for you. <laughs> it was awesome. How many of you, how many of you are you just feeling sorry for Reese right about now, thinking, poor kid? Yeah, so I talked to him, and, man, we talked about Everything. 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 I said, if you're going to be a part of my family, here's our vision. Here's what we value. You're not just marrying the daughter. You're marrying into the family. He didn't change his mind. 
After that conversation, I walked around the table and laid hands on him. I prayed over him, anointed him with oil. I said, son, listen, I've been watching you from a distance, but now this is a mile marker moment. I embrace you as a son. Guess what? Family, listen to this, family, that's your people. Some of you need to be a part of the family of God. I mean, the vision, the values, the direction. God says, my people. Somebody say, my people. You can't claim God's promises if you're not God's people. So many people can post a scripture on Facebook and claim that for their situation, but it ain't going to work if you're not God's people. If you don't obey the word, you can't claim the promises of the word. What does it take to be his people? You say, Mike, aren't we all God's children? No. We are all God's creation, but we're not all God's children. We're all made in the image of God, but being his people is different. You know, the truth is when we were born, we were born into sin. We were enemies of God because our sinfulness separated us from him. Something had to happen. How many of you know when God considers you family, it's because of the blood? We're blood now. Hey, listen, and it's not your blood. It was the blood of Jesus. It was the cross that bridged the gap. I love the scripture that says in Romans 5, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this? You can't have peace in your life until you first made peace with God. The Bible says Jesus is the prince of peace. I believe that God's people, if you're truly walking with the Lord, then peace is the promise that he gives to you. When this is all said and done and I stand before God, I want God to say, that Mike right there, hey, y'all see Mike? (laughs) That's my people. He belongs to me. I want to be God's people. I don't want him to say, ooh, depart from me. I never knew you. Let me ask you this. Do you know God? Does God know you? A lot of people say, oh, well, I know God. The better question is, does God know you? Does he look at you and say, my people, if you're covered by the blood, you are his. Man, if you've repented of your sins, you belong to Jesus. If you've surrendered your life to the Almighty, you are now a part of his family. He walks across the desk, and he lays hands on you, and he anoints you, and he says, son, daughter, you are mine. Somebody say, my people. You see, I believe one of the distinguishing marks of being God's people is peace. You remember when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt? Remember all the plagues that came against Egypt? How many remember that? Remember through Moses and and those signs and wonders that begin to happen? Remember the last plague was the plague of the death angel, and the firstborn sons of Egypt would die. Notice what it says here in Exodus 11, verse 6. Then a loud wail will rise throughout the land of Egypt, a wail like no one has heard before or will ever hear again. But among the Israelites, somebody say, my people. He says, but among my people, it will be so 
peaceful that not even a dog will bark. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. Get this picture. When you are God's people, you can live in perfect peace. Notice how craziness and chaos was happening all around them. But in the Israelite camp, it was so peaceful, a dog didn't even bark. Can I tell you this? The world may be falling to pieces, but you can be marked by peace. The benefit of being God's people is he distinguishes us and sets us apart and says craziness may happen around you, but the peace of God will dwell inside of you. God's people, notice what he says, number two, God's promise. He says, my people will live, will live, not might, or I hope so, or here's my idea, but it says my people will live in peaceful dwellings. This is the promise of God. Now notice, it says when the Spirit of God is poured out. When did that happen? On the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Now all of a sudden, this promise becomes a reality. You know how sometimes we we say, when somebody passes away, we say what? Rest Rest in peace. Okay, well, passed away, now they rest in peace. You don't have to wait until you pass away to rest in peace. Can I tell you, peace is not just for the sweet by and by. It's for the awful here and now. Come on, talk to me. It's, it's for troubled times and difficult days. If there's ever a time, ever an hour we needed peace, it's right now. And you don't have to wait till you die to get it. You don't have to rest in peace when you pass away. You can wake up refreshed and covered with the peace of Jesus. I love it in Psalm 27, 13. The Bible says, I would have lost hope or I would have lost heart unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, you can have the peace of Jesus while you're alive. Yes, we struggle in the day to day. But the struggle around you doesn't have to happen inside of you. It says, my people will live. That doesn't mean visit occasionally. It means to live consistently. Here's some things that I'm believing. I'm declaring peace over four specific areas of your life. And I wanted you to hear this. I want you to jot this down. Here's what I'm declaring for you and your family. First of all, that you'll have peace in your relationships. I believe that 2022, God is going to restore some relationships that have been deteriorating over the last two years. Some of you have lost friends and family members due to all kinds of crazy upheaval, socially, politically. You know, you look at the stress and the strain and the pressure that's happening all around us. I've seen seen the enemy destroy marriages, ruin relationships with children, separate close friends. I believe that this is a year that God is going to bring peace 
to relationships that have been in pieces. And some of you have somebody in your mind right now that you're thinking about. You've been out of sorts with somebody. Maybe it's somebody that you work with. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a close friend. And you don't even talk anymore. Maybe the holidays have highlighted some of the dysfunction that exists in your family. And it bothers you, but you just try to stuff it away and not think about it. I'm declaring God will give you peace in your relationship. Here's the thing. First, when you make peace with God, then you can be at peace with man. When you're at peace vertically, then horizontal peace becomes possible. Are you catching this? Peace over your relationships. The second thing I'm believing for this year is that you'll have peace in your finances. Come on. Could anybody use some peace in the pocketbook? I guess your finances are pretty great then. Praise the Lord. I'm just praying peace over my finances then. You know what? God didn't send Jesus to die on the cross for you so that you could struggle your whole life. God doesn't want you to simply survive. He wants you to thrive. And what I'm talking about is not health, wealth, and prosperity. I believe God wants your soul to prosper first and foremost. But then from there, it's more than just making a dollar. It's about making a difference. And I believe God is going to put, man, we're going to attack debt this year in Jesus' name. Some of those things that have been holding, you know, uh, 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 things over your head. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, verse 7, that the borrower is a slave to the lender. I'm believing God's going to break some of that thing off of your life. And that pressure that you felt for so many years, this is going to be a new season where you're going to experience peace in your finances. And you're going to be in a position to give like you've always wanted to give. Anybody receive that? Peace in your relationships, peace in your finances, peace in your emotions. Mm -mm 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 -mm. You know, the news cycle constantly plants fear in the hearts of the entire population. Whether it's bad news or fake news, it has unnerved our society. Have you seen how fear, it, it just, it, it controls society? Every new announcement. I mean, watch the news, and you're like, oh, my God. How many of you, you, you didn't know you were supposed to be afraid until you watched the news, and then you got afraid? How many of you didn't know you were supposed to worry about something until you talked to a friend, and are they, or you saw something on Facebook, and all of a sudden, their fear jumped on you, and you became afraid, too? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You were doing just fine when you were staying in your lane. But I want to tell you, the current culture has become masterful at using fear leveraged against people to accomplish its own purposes. Can I tell you this? God has not given you a spirit of fear. I want you to do this. Put your hand on your heart right now. I want you to say this out loud. Say, no fear belongs here. Listen, God's going to give you peace in your emotions. The truth is this. The devil will set you up to get you upset. He'll set you up at work. He'll set you up, man, just average, ordinary moment, and boom. Man, all of a sudden, worry begins to creep in. Fear, panic, dread, stress. I'm believing that in your emotions, you're going to have peace, you're going to have calm, and you're going to have well-being. Are you catching this today? I love what A.W. Tozer said. He says, a scared world needs a fearless church. 
A society that is paralyzed in fear is desperate for a courageous and fearless church. Peace over your relationships, peace in your finances, peace in your emotions, and finally, peace in your calling. God's going to give you a clear understanding and, and firm direction for what he's called you to do. Some of you are going to step into your God-given purpose this year, and there's going to be clarity in your calling. You're going to have such peace that nobody can talk you out of it. That no attack can discourage you from pursuing it. That regardless of circumstances, you know that you know that you know that your calling is clear and you're fully committed to it. I'm telling you what, you get somebody clear in their calling and they'll be on fire for the kingdom of God. Mm -mm. Are you receiving that today? God's people, number one. God's promise, number two. And finally, number three, God's Peace. He says, my people will live in peaceful dwelling places. The word peace in Hebrew is the word shalom. Somebody say shalom. Ah, that's a great word, shalom. I'm declaring shalom in your home this year in Jesus' name. And it's not just calmness, but it's wholeness. Can I tell you this? You cannot put a price tag on peace. It, there's not a check that you can write with enough zeros that will equal the value of supernatural peace. Trying to get peace from the things of this world is like going to Walmart and trying to buy like a Rolls Royce. How many of you know you're not going to Walmart to pick up like a, a Mercedes Benz or a Bentley? Why? It's not in stock. They don't carry it. Listen, if you're trying to get peace from the things of this world, you will never find it. Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and this is the verse that's on your bracelet. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Bible says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, how many of you know there's an alternative to worry? You don't have to worry this year. Well, what am I going to do if I don't worry? Yeah, I've just got all this nervous energy. I've got to do something. I mean, the world is falling apart. And, and the, the, the latest report, and here's what Washington is saying, and here's what, you know, here's what the CDC is saying, and here's what's happening in China and, and all these. Okay, what am I going to do if I don't worry? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Do you know that worry and prayer are fundamentally incompatible? You cannot do both at the same time. You have a choice. This year, I challenge you, pray more and worry less. In fact, the more you talk to God about the situation, the less you have to worry about. You don't have to worry about the things you're praying about. But if you're not praying, you got a whole lot to worry. When you pray... You're saying, God, I need you to take care of this. God, I need you. I got a physical situation. I got a doctor's report. God, I need your help. Can you take care of this? My son, my daughter, can you take care of this? Oh, Lord, my finances, I'm trusting you. Can you? When you give it to God, you can lay your head on your pillow at night and sleep in perfect peace. 
Don't worry about anything, the Bible says. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. So listen, what, what, now watch this, watch this. We're not going to worry. We're going to pray. We're going to tell God what we need, and then we're just going to thank him. Yeah. Now, here's the formula. Don't miss it. This is the most important thing I'm saying. I've said it, spoken for 25 minutes. Now, this is the most important thing. When you decide not to worry, when you choose to pray, when you tell God what you need and thank him in advance, there is a promise. Watch this. It says, then you will experience what? God's peace. You want to know what happens as a result? Not worry, praying, tell God what I need and thank him. Here comes peace. But it's not just any kind of peace. It's God's peace. It's a peace which exceeds anything we can understand. Mm. In other words, it's peace that will blow your mind. It's peace that's just irrational. It's a peace that passes. I I can't understand it. I, I can't understand it. The world seems to be falling apart, but I'm at such peace. It's a piece that doesn't make sense when the world says, panic, 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 panic. Oh, what about this? What about this? Oh, did you hear the statistics? Oh, what about this lockdown? What about this announcement? What about, what about, what about, what about the economy, the economy? Did you see what the stock market's doing? Oh, my God. The world says panic, and God says, uh-uh, my peace is going to take care of this. This is how Jesus could be in a boat in the middle of a storm and sound asleep. How could he be so peaceful in such chaos? There is a peace that passes all understanding. And guess what? That peace has a function. It's not for you to just feel good. When you have supernatural peace, it's not just a feeling, but there's a purpose for that peace. It's going to guard your heart. And it's going to protect your mind. The peace of God guards, defends, and protects. Ooh, it's just like there's a a, a battalion of of soldiers that's standing around your heart. There are warriors that are are, are guarding the perimeter of your mind saying, no, 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 uh uh-uh, that's not getting it here. Uh, This is sound. This is whole. This is complete. Parents, have you ever told your kids when they were little, (laughs) sit down. I just want some peace and quiet in here. How many said that before? Oh, yeah. Why do we say that? Because we equate sitting down with a peaceful situation. When you're seated, you're at rest. I have a chair in my living room. It's mine. It's my favorite chair. Kids know that if they're sitting in my chair and I walk into the living room, (laughs) move your feet. That's my seat. Come on, somebody. I like to sit in that chair. It's got a little footstool, prop my feet up. I'm at rest. You know, in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, there was no chair because the work of the priest was never finished. Constantly. Offering sacrifices, incense, preparing, you know, uh, the, 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 the lighting candles and preparing for worship. And then there was no seat 
in the tabernacle because the priest had to constantly work. But when Jesus came, all of that changed. Guess where Jesus is now? Where is he? And what's he doing? He's seated at the right hand of God. Why is Jesus seated? He said, it is finished. I ain't got to do anything else. I've done everything necessary for you to walk in peace. Do you receive that today? Come on, church, put your hands together. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.